Uh, hey everybody and welcome to Journey Through Gorilla Islands, episode 16. Today we will be covering Use Your Illusion 3. I'm your host Zig and as always I'm being joined by... Barry. Sarah. And Emma. So you might notice that we sound a little different. We decided that still being in the midst of a global pandemic and not being able to travel around the country and Barry living in a different side of the country that we would get the show back on the road and do an online recording. So hopefully the audio quality isn't affected and I know the show quality won't be affected. Am I right? No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) But if you do have any feedback on us or anything, please do let us know. We will be hopefully recording more in person in the future, but... Is a nice little fallback if we don't have that option. So yeah, it's good to be back. We've already recorded this bit, but I forgot. To <laughs> so, um, honesty here from our host. Yeah, I. It's it's it, we're having our beautiful podcast coming of it. This is how you know we're back because we forgot to record for twenty minutes, <laughs> um, and now we're a legitimate podcast. It's it's wonderful. Anyway, how are you guys? I haven't talked to you in ages. <laughs> um, I was better 20 minutes ago, and I, even though I hadn't pressed record. I like watching Zig mess up, so I'm actually doing a lot better than I was. <laughs> Always happy to help. It was just so jovial 20 minutes ago. <laughs> long intro and how we were like so thankful to be back and recording and we we're set, talking about our mental health and people never ask <laughs> just looking for the show <laughs> <laughs> well your mental health all sounds great now so. <laughs> yes thank you you've cured my depression <laughs> this is the usual boost we get from the old oh shit do we have batteries um, oh yes uh, uh, a day, uh, monthly occurrence yes so um yeah i'm so annoyed now because every time we go to record in person emma always says now is that record <laughs> The one time she's not here, and it annoys me every time she does it. The one time she isn't here, I did forget. (sighs) Another one for the Emma is very valuable folder. (laughs) MVP of the show. So Use Your Illusion 3 took place on the 9th of October 2004, attended by 125 people, and was in the Los Feliz JCC, the Jewish Community Centre. Our show kicked off with a first family promo, That is the faction that formed at the end of the last show, which consists of PWG champion Frank Xerian, PWG tag champions Scott Lost, (laughs) Baby Slim, and Brad Bradley, who is out injured. Missing is one Mr. Vanderpile. Based on the, uh, the content of this opening promo... Um, this seems to be the point in PWG history, which I think in our first two or three episodes, Emma took us through the uh, the abridged version, where Mr. Vanderpile, um, soon to be star of his own episode of Dark Side of the Ring, uh, <laughs> behind-the-scenes scandal uh, immersed PWG, uh, and in true PWG style, it was a lot of message board drama as well. Yeah, and, um, and 
the message board, I unfortunately, it has been deleted since I last found it. So I can't really remember. But what I do remember is that Vanderpaal claims that he owned the tag team belts or some of the belts, which he got from like a prop store because he's big in the acting circle. Um, and then he left and took the belts with him and tried to sell them. And there was found um, on one of the boards that he was trying to sell the, the belts. We're going to assume this happened around now. But he may be back. <laughs> well, the message board's gone because he's on to you, Emma. He's on your tail. I'm a bit worried about this. Like, this page is just... I have the link saved, and it's just blank. Oh. We'll have to contact the Internet Archive uh, people. <laughs> um, with the reason we're assuming this happened now is because they say, oh, Brad Bradley's out, and then they, they, go, they do some, like, very non-charactery just slandering of, of Vanderpile in that, in that typical wrestling way where you can, like, go... Oh, they they don't actually like this guy in any capacity, so that's that's why we're making our uh, uh, our, our assumption. But yeah, so the rest of the the family's intact. Yeah, so Scott Lost is entrusted with the job of naming his partner and thus awarding said person one half of the PWG Tag Team Championships. Baby Slim is. Fairly confident that he'll have another bit of gold around his waist to match what's on his neck. But Scott Lost swerves him and announces Chris Bosch as his new tag team partner. Perhaps setting up your your slow burn, baby slim, megastar baby face uh, turn because he's, he's been jilted. Well, if there's one thing we've been calling out for, it's a baby slim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was quite interesting that they, they brought Bosch in now at this stage. I know they they do become a tag team, but I didn't really know the timeline of, of it. And I don't know if this is the start of the dynasty or whatever. This is the start of the, the really iconic tag team between um, Bosch and, and uh, Lost. And actually, Disco mentioned something on commentary later on, which, which I'll refer to when we get to that. But it was just an amazing, amazing... Um, tag team and in our first recording Barry refers to the amazing earring that is on Chris Bosch's ear and we talked about Scott Lost wearing a Bret Hart t-shirt which is really befitting of this terrible promo that Scott does saying that he's you know he's a Bret Hart of the team he's a Shawn Michaels of the team and it's like okay Scott cool you're such a cool dude you're such a cool heel i was th- thought it was good that finally we get some someone who can actually talk on the mic someone who has a bit of personality it was funny to see frankie kazarian try and give bosh um, hair advice and fashion advice and <laughs> um, so <laughs> i mean we all know i hate bosh's tights but i i don't know i just wouldn't be taking any advice from um mr cool frankie kazarian I think Barry would disagree. He was quite sensitive <laughs> jeans. I mean, just because that was the style I was rocking in in two thousand and four as well. The um, just incredibly baggy jeans. My mother used to get <laughs> so I can't even really describe. And just anytime we would be talking to any friend of the family or a relative, she would be like loudly in front of me talking about my baggy <laughs> jeans and how ridiculous they were. Little did I know at the time I could have defended myself by saying the PWG world's champion wears them like this mother. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, incredibly baggy. Open. He had an open. He had a buttoned-up shirt open for the ladies. You know, he had it open so they could um, um have an hour look. Uh, I I did like the Bret Hart shirt as well. Uh, Scott Ross strikes me very much as a as a Bret Hart was better guy. You know, in the Bret versus Sean debate, definitely. Um. So yeah, it was it was an okay segment. I thought to, to kick off. Scott Lost and Frankie think they have a, a night off. Uh, Frankie wasn't even supposed to be there. Um, he showed up for reasons unexplained. But Paul T came out because it's his job to please the crackers. <laughs> he makes two matches. He announces that Frankie Kazarian is going to have a non-title match against the debuting Tony Stradlin, who I've never heard of. No. And Scott Lost and Chris Bosch will defend the tag titles against Super Dragon and a partner of his choosing. No, it's a B-Boy and a partner of his choosing. It's Super Dragon and B-Boy. <laughs> We're not supposed to find that out yet. Spoiler. Oh, I'm sorry for spoiling something from 17 <laughs> years you. ago. Thank you. Okay, no need to get so defensive. Anyway, apology so, accepted. So there's a tag team match later. <laughs> <laughs> Our first match of the show is Los Rojos and Superbad, who is now going by Super Ballard. Super Ballard. Uh, I don't know why, because the Ballards aren't here. Very, very strange. <laughs> and they are facing Charles Mercury, Funky Billy Kim, and Ronan, who are the X Foundation too. <laughs> yes. yes. So happy we finally have the debut of Ronan in this company. <laughs> An iconic star. I, I like I, Ronan. He is. He's a lovable rogue. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I'm happy he's debuted. Okay, okay. It's just the raucous laughter in your voice. (laughs) Sorry. I I do like that apparently Funky Billy Kim owned the the rights to the X Foundation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he got it in the divorce. Uh, uh. Ah. They they didn't have any sweet X gear, though. It was obviously very late. Because they, they all had their own very unique unbelievably hideous gear in this match yeah. I mean super bad doing the, the the fake Canadian hockey player thing for some reason as we pointed out because the ballads quote unquote out here you had the Rojos in their you know fake luchador gear Ronan in his so 2000s shiny indie big boy lucha gear with a t-shirt over it as well at the beginning <laughs> um, oh my god just the worst collection of looks. Like how did uh, he never end up in Chikara? Mm. I, I, I did because I don't really know much about him. I assumed he must have been came through there at some point, or, or, or what have you. He looks like he looks like one of them to be sure. There is a lot of things going on here. I mean, I think Funky Billy Kim, aka Tommy Williams, was going through an identity crisis after the divorce because now he's back to Funky Billy Kim. Is he Funky Tommy Williams? We're not too sure. And then super bad, aka super bad. That... <laughs> You're gonna to have to finish the point if yeah. you jump in. Sorry, it doesn't help that Disco Machine keeps calling him. He keeps switching between Billy Kim's names. 
I mean, I don't blame him. Like, how are we supposed to know what one to go by? And now he's completely changed his look as well with the gear. And then Super Ballard wearing, I have to call it out because people probably tweet us. It's Slapshot from, like, the gear from the movie Slapshot about a local hockey team. I mean, I don't really know where this came from. I mean, it actually looked good. I think he actually looked really good. But that's beside the point. It was just very strange. We find out a bit of information about the jersey in the promos at the end. Little little tease for you there. (laughs) I did like the commentary. In the early exchanges, there are two arm drags, which Disco and Excalibur call straight because they have gone to arm drag rehab. (laughs) No longer do they need to drink when they see an arm drag. After months of extensive um, psychotherapy and analysis, they have conquered their addiction, but have replaced it with uh, other vices. Uh, Excalibur is addicted to buying dollhouses. (laughs) Disco is addicted to giant breasts, which Excalibur says... I don't think that's new. <laughs> <laughs> the boys are back. They also made a reference to a a, a film, an adult film. Do you, do any of you remember the name of it? No. I can't remember what context they brought up, but Disco referenced a film called Pussy Potamus, <laughs> which I I took the liberty of looking up just to see why that was brought up. I oh think my it was god. Made, one of those things that they, I think they were alluding to working on. Yeah. And it yeah, they said they out. did, yeah. And so it was released on the 18th of January, 2004. Oh. By Vivid, which I think was the company they, yeah. they worked for. And I found a listing for it on a website called ExcaliburFilms.com. No way. Oh. Which I looked at and I was like, did he is? And I looked at it. It's just, it's just a name. It's not something. Yeah. Like, it, it's not his reselling website where he sells his used, uh, you know, devices. We also, uh, on a commentary note, uh, Excalibur referenced going to the pay window, which is his like, like little, 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 little foreshadowing of his, his AEW dark catchphrase. It wasn't uh, your classic PWG six man, anyway. No, Funky Tommy Williams looked good. I, I, I thought as well, like Ronan was like working the match mostly straight, and he was throwing some pretty, pretty gnarly looking elbows in there. He was, you know, it seemed to be just a normal wrestler, and then like halfway through the match. He did the comedy bit of, oh, I don't like being on the top rope. I'm going to come down to the second. Oh, I still don't like this. I'm going to go down to the first. And then I missed the elbow drop. I was like, what? what, what? Yeah, this is a Chikara bit. Why are you doing it in the middle of this match? Like, just, oh, my God. In the second half of it, I thought there was at least some moves, like the Rojos threw up a, a cutter for, for Superman. It was okay. Finish was okay, but, yeah, not a, not a, not a, an opening banger, I didn't think. It was kind of like the type of thing that, like, like in in three years' time, funny enough, we'd be seeing like Jack Evans do. They got like the Ballards, excuse me, sorry, the Rojos got one of their opponents up on their shoulders for like a, a tag team burning hammer, but Super Bad came off the top rope, stepped on their shoulders while they still had their opponent up, and did a splash off of them onto someone else. It was. Kind of impressive, especially because ev- everything Superbad does looks really gangly and awkward because he's so long. So it was sl- somewhat impressive that he pulled it off. Uh, so yeah, so that team that team won with that uh, elaborate contraption of a move. So our second contest was Top Gun Talwar against Hook Bombery. Talwar 
cuts a fiery promo before the match. Uh, they made mention of the fact that Hook Bobberry was was off recently with a dislocated head. <laughs> <laughs> well, Top One's been lifting weights and doing cocaine, so that's why he's pumped up. And maybe makes me want to start lifting weights and doing some cocaine if I'm like that all the time. Yeah, a lot of drug talk. He's in great shape for it, though. He was looking very svelte. Bombay or Talwar? Talwar. So Bombay looked great too. But I think we said that last time. His his return was impressive. Yeah, yeah. Alex kind of pointed out his thinning hair, which I thought was quite. Nice. <laughs> Uh, they were having like a really solid match, and Excalibur felt the need to, to break out. This is this was the classic thing we thought before when they don't really care or respect <laughs> people in the match. They were going ham during this match on commentary, talking about Hook being number fifty three in a gangbang. Um, <laughs> That's why I'm so surprised that you pointed out the thinning hair first. You really buried the lead there. <laughs> I, I I also thought Hook was looking well until until that was uh, until that was pointed out. I think we also got our you know if anyone's keeping a record of first our first social media reference in this match. Uh, oh, Hook, yeah. uh, Hook uh, perusing for sex on MySpace um, <laughs> and Friendster. Friendster, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, I won't even say the last thing they said, um, but. Um, yeah, they were they were really uh, going off on this match, which I which I did think was good. Excalibur also cracked his knuckles early on in this match, and it was oh, so loud and disgusting. They, they had absolutely no interest because then they were also talking about how uh, Talwar used to go out with a fifty year old and like, loves <laughs> older women, and like I don't know if it's true, but they said it so matter of factly, and they apparently <laughs> show up as well. <laughs> Top Gun likes a woman who has, quote, seen better days. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they go into Hook going to a porn like, convention. I... And that's where he was the weekend that they were recording, that he was attending a porn convention. And that's where they get into him being number one in your heart, number 53 in the gangbang. And I lost <laughs> it. I had to, pa- I, I pressed pause and I was gone. But this match was really good, and so it was yeah. kind of annoying at one part, like at one side because like this is so good, and they're just completely shitting on it. But this commentary was so funny. Yeah, I think it's like the most I've enjoyed like a, a Top Gun match I think so far. Yeah, really yeah, solid. Definitely. And like Hook was doing all his judo stuff, and all I can think about is Royal Rumble style entries to the gangbang. Countdown, and a big horn goes off, and then out comes Hook Bomberry. You know. There's a bit where Excalibur says that Hook told him that he enjoys the taste of Vag. Um, So Excalibur ponders whether, even though he was number 53, would he still have himself a little taste? And then they said, yeah, because he likes stew. Oh. Which is a grotesque euphemism. Yeah, this is this is the depth now. I don't think we've gone this far down before. <laughs> is this um is this one of the first Tawar singles we've had? Oh definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah, we're used to him in a group setting, but like he's he's so much fun. He's so much fun on the mic. He comes out, he's always fired up. Um 
Yeah, this was a like enjoyable match. Yeah, it was good fun. And uh, Top Gun won with the Danger Zone. Is that what he calls it? Mm. Yeah, yep. from Top Gun. <laughs> it's written on his tights. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it was awesome, but it was the The opening match felt like it just dragged so long. And then to have this really nice sprint second, it kind of got you back into the show, I think. I think the first match definitely went. I know overstayed it's welcome, but this one was absolutely perfect for what you wanted. Yeah, it was a nice little palate cleanser. Mm. But the next meal wasn't so good. No. It was Puma against the returning UK kids. Hell yes. Who, cuts. who opens with a British promo about how he likes tea and the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> he had all the cliches, all the import heel cliches. It was so bad. The crowd chanted USA. Yeah. They, you know. He stuck it to the quote internet marks, which is always yeah. good. Virgins, fat, and uh, no jobs. He had a terrible chin strap. Oh, the, the beard was, yeah, mm. or lack thereof. I, I will not call it a beard. No, no, you're right. You're right. Chin strap is right. We, we, per, per like minutes of content we've consumed, we must have seen more per capita promos on internet marks than any other podcast in the history of this medium every show there's at least one person and because it's 2003 and 4 it's they're constantly talking about type it up on your message boards you know it's just like oh my god so i guess puma is a face again i'm pretty sure he was with the what are they called the dangerous alliance or the something like that um, but just by being not even American, like the Puma character <laughs> or whatever, he's Kanoi boy. But um, yeah, USA chance for him. And he is now a babyface again, or at least for one night only. It yeah. worked for me. I found myself rooting for him. Like within, like after UK, I just wanted UK Kid to be just destroyed. So I was actually like for the first time probably rooting for Puma. Same. Yeah, and I think the size differential worked as well, you know. Um, even though he is, as the commentary points out, a lucha gimmick from the Philippines. <laughs> um, yeah, this is where this is where we got our um, just fascinating insight into 2004 when UK Kid did a, a big disgusting gob of spit in the ring. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was not nice. Um, and then Excalibur began to ponder, how would you feel if you were cleaning that up and you found this? But could you challenge him on it? Because the UK is one of our most powerful allies during the war on terror, which is ongoing. And then he started to talk about Iraq. And at one point, he did begin to talk about the Irish Republican Army, uh, which I did not expect to hear discussed during a TJP match in PWG of this era. Um, and Disco, I don't know if he felt like he was worried he would say something. He was not responding to much of this. It was just Excalibur going and going. Disco also started by bringing up Tony Blair. <laughs> who knew who Tony Blair was. I couldn't believe the IRA mentioned, but then Excalibur does talk about Ireland being part of the UK. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I'm sure Excalibur is a smart man. I think he knows what he's saying, but... He probably didn't have time to flesh out the intricacies <laughs> of which part of Ireland belongs to the yeah. UK. 
no, these rude bastards were having a match during his thesis. So, yeah, you know, I know. You know. Yeah, I I do yeah, find it yeah. hard to concentrate on the match. Whatever the IRA mentions, will <laughs> always take me aback. So yeah, no, I wasn't. I won't say I was too engaged with this one. It was too hard to be, and it was during this match as well that Excalibur laughs about the fact that he goes back and when he does the commentary, he laughs at his own he jokes. At and I'm like, that is us doing this podcast. Jokes. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, identify with Excalibur there on that one. Except he can't go back and listen to them in this day and age. He refuses to. Smart man. Yeah. Well, hopefully he listens to us recapping it. <laughs> well, um, if he does, I'd like him to prove that he understands the politics of Ireland and the UK. That would. <laughs> so uh, the match was just about under 10 minutes and Puma won by a half crab, continuing his sort of strong rise up the, up the ranks. I think he's won the past three or four in a row now. Hmm. Uh, um, I don't know for certain, but I'm willing to bet he will be a heel the next time we see him. That is an <laughs> end, but I'm going to assume that he will be. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't bet against that. Uh, our next match is a tag team match with uh, Disco Machine and Excalibur, SBS, facing off against the Aerial Express, Scorpio Sky and Quicksilver, who are being accompanied to the ring by one Dino Winwood. Uh, Aerial Express jump Disco and Excalibur at the bell. Match gets off to a hot start as the commentary introduced Dino, the homeless man who lives in the JCC. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't get over Disco's hair. It was like, I suppose at that time when everyone just started bleaching their hair with anything they could get their hands on. But he looked really like, Sarah, maybe you'll get this reference, the guy from Riverdale. Oh, I don't. I don't oh, watch it. I'm sorry. Okay, what he did, but he had this beautiful orange tone to his hair. And um I was really impressed by it. I liked it. I think he I think he looked good. I always think he looks good. Yeah, hey. I thought I thought he was he pulled up. I I also <laughs> thought this was I thought this was probably for both Disco and Excalibur, their their best match so far, I think, as a team. I thought it was as pretty team, solid. As a team, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and I think it helps that the Aryan Express were really good. Uh, at one point, they got like Excalibur in like this uh, camel crutch, camel crutch, camel clutch, and a Boston Crab combo. So they had him like lifted off the mat. And it was really good. And on commentary, they were they were putting over how impressive that move is and said they're quite a great tag team together. And then uh, Disco said, well, "We we are quite mediocre as a team because <laughs> uh, <laughs> they they don't have any elaborate cool tag moves." I think at, at one point they steal Eric Express's finish. the most notable tag move they do. Um, uh, and the other commentary highlight for me was my now absolute favorite trope of shows of this era, which is either Disco or, in this case, Excalibur. Um, pointing out the spot where he gets hurt in this match. <laughs> um, he did some kind of knee drop off the top of the top of how, and this is how I uh, hurt my shoulder. Um, it's usually Disco. I feel like Disco's had yeah. a bad run yeah. of describing his own concussion. Yeah. 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 I don't remember anything from this point on. Yeah. 
whereas this month it was Excalibur. I, I love this every every month. Um, I was just going to say, I did love how throughout the whole match, going back to them being a mediocre team together, it was almost like they were building excuses for this match, being like, oh yeah, we're not that good. This, you know, we're not we're not a tag team. We're singles wrestlers. That's just so happened to be in a tag team together. We haven't teamed in a while. And it was just building up all the excuses throughout the match of why they weren't winning. Um, and I just thought that was a great trope. But I think what actually did help was it really put Aerial Express over because I actually think they looked really, really good and a really cohesive tag team, especially Quicksilver. I think this is the best we've seen him look in this whole company. That line makes no sense, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, one thing that I did notice that was not news, like, but that it really shone in this match is that Excalibur is such a good bumper. Like he sells everything brilliantly. He throws himself like he ragdolls himself everywhere, and he makes everything look like death. He's so good. No wonder he got hurt so much. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, I thought the lighting was really bad. I don't know why I noticed it so much in this match, but it just—it was like there was just one massive floodlight, and like so, their faces are completely drowned out. You can't see the crowd. Um, I don't like. I wonder what it was like to be there if it looked as bad, but it just it looked really shitty. So the Air Express take this one with their dropkick pile driver, much more effective than SBS's version. <laughs> I thought it was a very fun match, though. I really liked it. Our next match is an emotional affair, as we are saying goodbye to Bobby Quantz, who's facing off against Christopher Daniels. This is both Bobby Quantz's last PWG match and his last match ever um, as he's going to the Navy. Is that true? Is that the actual reason he's... he's yeah. He's, okay. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't sure because, it, again, it's the classic thing of I can't take any commentators or saying serious. So, you know, I, was like, I, I couldn't remember how long his, his tenure was. And during this, I was like, did he sign to WWE or something? <laughs> like, yeah. He seems like the type of guy who'd go there for a couple of months and, and come back. But yeah, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I couldn't make sense of that because they, they weren't. I, it's so hard to t- tell what series they didn't just explicitly say it. So, any thoughts on the match? Not on the match, just on the gear. <laughs> I, really, I really liked Bobby Quads's gear. He had like the flames, which I thought was very in for at the time and for now. And um, it, they made his ass look really good. So. Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like a really good match. Yeah. Um, I thought it was more like a, a Ring of Honor match at the time, more so than a PWG style match. Like, yeah. You had that big, long opening exchange that before it became a corny thing, like it was an actual struggle. It was the two of them getting one up over on each other constantly. And I, I don't think we've seen anything like that. I know like we've seen Punk and Joe sort of do it, but I thought this was the best case of it in yeah. PWG style. Yeah, it was like what Punk and Carino tried to do months ago. Oh, actually executed well. Yes. Disco mentions on commentary, and they they like that. That was a good thing about this match. They actually kind of put their serious face on and and gave this match its due. Like like we always talk about when it's people they like or people that they respect, they uh, give them their due. And Bobby actually like Disco's like it's actually kind of sad watching this match because this is the best we've seen Bobby Quans perform, and it's his last match. And it, that was kind of hit home to me as well because 
but Bobby will come back for like a once-off appearance four years later, and that's you know that's the only other time we see him. But this was the best Bobby's looked. I mean, his look was right, his gear was right, everything, and all the moves he did was just so snug and tight when they were doing the mat work at the beginning. And he really looked like a complete pro wrestler. And for this to be a send off is both nearly like a blessing and a curse, I think. Yeah, like he's gone from a guy I'd never heard of to now one of my big what ifs. Yeah. That's a guy who could have had a serious like Ring of Honor run. And the way things went for those guys now in NXT and stuff, you just never know where he could have ended up. Yeah, just like it's really solid stuff. And in a, like you said, kind of a different. A different style of match than what basically everyone else was doing here, and the few like the like Sarah referenced the Carino match, like the few attempts we've seen at this kind of thing haven't landed at all. Haven't haven't kind of gotten much out of the crowd, but just really solid stuff. Like they did the whole like knuckle lock kind of quads bridging up on his neck thing, and they did that spot for ages. Like so often you kind of see it. They do it. The guy jumps on top of the bridge. He keeps the bridge, and then they kind of they roll into the next spot. But Daniels was just trying to break his bridge, trying and trying and trying. And Quads was like too good. Was like that was just really, really solid stuff. And um, like instead and, of a monkey flip, he got him by the leg instead and tried to put a heel hook on, which was just yeah. a twist on it I've never seen as well. Um, just tons of just really nice looking stuff from from Bobby and Daniels was kind of great at being you know he was kind of just the other guy in the match but in a good way like he could go with Quads at exactly Quads' speed which is the strength of a guy like Daniels who do you think is the best wrestling Bobby Bobby Dempsey what Bobby Dempsey Bobby he was the yeah the big guy with curly yellow, yellow hair, blonde, yeah, more yellowy um, okay. guy in the sweet and sour ink that they bullied. Oh, oh so yeah, he had a brother as well, Derek, wasn't it? And a cousin, um, Bull. <laughs> you got Bobby Lashley, Bobby Rude, Bobby Fish, yeah, Guns, Bobby Guns. Yeah, yeah I think I think Quance might be my favorite Bobby. Bob yeah. Holly. Bob Holly. No, he's not Bobby. <laughs> if you call Bob Holly Bobby, I think he'd have something to say yeah. to you. <laughs> the only person who calls him Bobby is his mother. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, yeah. It's, it's Quads might be the one. He might be the one. The one true Bobby. Yeah. The one true Bobby. The oh, we new... should have a, a Bobby Rumble. Oh, yes. I like that. I'd like that a lot. So who's your favourite uh, wrestling Bobby? Right in. <laughs> So, yeah, they had a really solid match. But what did you all think of Quance's hop over one leg frog splash thing <laughs> that he tried? Some circus shit they called it on the, on the commentary. Yeah, that was a bit of a bum note. It was just a bit confusing. Yeah. And didn't really mesh well with what they'd been kind of trying to attempt in that match. A for Was it just a case of it's my last match, so I'm just going to do this thing I'd been working on? Yeah, but it didn't land, literally. <laughs> no. <laughs> A. So we're getting near the 20-minute mark, which would have made this a time limit draw. But with four seconds left, Quance rolls up Daniels for the win, which shocked me. 
Yeah, I love I love a finish right before a time limit draw. I think it's I think it's always really cool. Nice to nice to give him the, the win on the farewell. I think PWG likes to do that. I think we'll see that quite a bit going forward. It's always a surprise because it's it's so not the uh, the standard wrestling thinking. But uh, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a, a nice farewell. Christopher Daniels seemed to be the only person in the world that didn't know that Bobby Quance was going off to the Navy because he challenges then to a rematch for the next month because, you know, he lost in 20 minutes to this guy and the crowd were like, no, no, he's leaving. And he's like, what? What's the problem? Like, why why is no one responding? I thought you guys would be interested. And then Bobby tells him and it's just big. Oh, well, okay. Uh, goodbye then. <laughs> I thought it was cute though. Yeah. Yeah, Bobby does a little farewell speech. And it was like just, you know, short and sweet, but it just seemed really sincere. And I think everyone did like warm to him a lot. I think, you know, his progression in PWG, I think a lot of people noticed it and and respected it. And yeah, it's very sad to see him go. Um, I hope he enjoyed his time in the Navy and it was worth it. Yeah. (laughs) For doing this tour. It was worth it. <laughs> what, 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 what? Somebody. It was worth oh, giving all this up in the Jewish Community Center yeah. in Las Vegas. One hundred and twenty-five paying customers. <laughs> it's a sh- it's a shame, especially as you said, it's a bit of a what if because it's like it's not only someone who's good, but someone who's good in a different way to everyone else that we we see on these shows. Like Excalibur mentions the fact that he had his goodbye match in CCW. Um, only like a few weeks previously and like the reception that he even got there is amazing and he was kind of becoming a big star so I think we're right like Bobby would have gone on to be one of the guys in the indies and yeah maybe he was one of those guys who would have got signed to, to WWE and gone to OVW or something for a few months it's it, yeah it, it really is the big what if for sure yeah Um. so our next match on the card is Samoa Joe against Joey Ryan so towards the end of the match, Super Dragon comes out to distract Joe, but it doesn't work as Joey Ryan gets pushed into Samoa Joe or into Super Dragon, sorry, and eats a pretty serious lariat from Joe and gets pinned. So Dragon and Joe are sort of jaw jacking as Joe walks to the back and blows Dragon a kiss. <laughs> So they're they're still building their feud after after last month's uh, count out win for Samojo. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Our semi main event is PWG champion Frankie Kazarian in a non title match against Tony Stradlin. Yeah, I don't know much about Tony Stradlin at all, except mm-hmm. that he's Guns and Roses. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and Paul T at the beginning had alluded to them having history in a different promotion or different promotions, but I- I've never heard of them. Another another hot territory of the era we're missing out on. Um, yeah, I think you're right as well because on commentary they said Kaz had never actually beaten Tony Stradlin, which maybe they could have played up a bit more at the start. Yeah, for I tell you what though, for someone with an incredibly generic name and look, and I'd never heard of before or since. I thought he was all right. I thought he was pretty yeah. good, actually. Yeah. Very, uh, like you know, crisp and kind of uh, competent, and and they just had a a, a rock solid match where I think the most notable things were were from Tony. Yeah. He hit a nice uh, exploder on Kaz like over the top rope out of the ring. Uh, he did like a one armed like hammerlock cattle mutilation thing at one point that I thought was really cool. Did his Iron Sheik impression? 
<laughs> on commentary, they also reveal that the venue was double booked. It was also Sean's birthday. <laughs> which seemed to be better attended than PWG. <laughs> and when they got to the venue, they were excited to see such a big crowd and then found out it wasn't for them. <laughs> oh, bless. I like the idea of them just handing out cops to the 10-year-olds. You know. <laughs> yeah, I wish they stayed. Could you imagine them in the crowd booing and cheering Frankie? God. Imagine what, Super what Dragon is... throwing a few kids around. <laughs> <laughs> just hear, hearing all manner of new words they, they probably shouldn't be hearing for a few more years. Yeah, this was a nothing match, really, wasn't it? Like, like what was yeah. the... Like, it was good, but what was the point in it? You know what I mean? Like It was very weird. The point, well, for me, it just kind of highlighted how bad Kazarian's run has been. Terrible. Like, as a champion. And in a way, I just feel sorry. Not, I don't feel that sorry for him, but he hasn't, he wasn't really given much. No. Um, and he hasn't been given, he hasn't been given, you know, a good feud. He's been put in a nothing faction, which he isn't strong enough to lead. Yeah. yeah I think you're right. It's like all the best wrestlers in PWG are feuding with each other. Yeah. And they might get one match with Kazarian while he's like toiling away with Adam Pearce and Baby Slim. Yeah. And then like this Tony Stradlin guy, they really are giving him scraps, you're right. Like he's, like, not, just, he's not getting main events because no one no one really cares. They're, like he's not even good as a heel. He, he doesn't make a good cocky heel. He doesn't have that. Like he doesn't have that cockiness in him. No. And like, I, I know it's, it's an indie show, so you kind of have to have some semblance of a competitive match for the fans. But I feel like for a match that, that, with a guy that's not known to this audience and I don't think comes back, like, uh, Stradlin got loads in this match and nearly won. You know, and yeah. it's like, Kaz is the world champion. You know, let's, I know he's a heel, but oh my God, like Stradlin had him, like they, they did like, you know, a fairly cool spot where Stradlin like had him beat with like a butterfly suplex, but his, his neck had been worked over, so he couldn't keep the bridge, which was which was pretty great. And Kaz had to try and use the belt to beat him, but he, he fucked that up and Stradlin yeah. got the belt and hit him with it. I'm like, oh my god, you were a loser. Yeah, I didn't want to bring up like the Kenny Omega Allen Angels debate. That's exactly what I was thinking of as I was watching it as well. But it was this was too much. It was like yeah. seriously. And not as good as that match. No, we're not even close. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's exactly how it was. Exactly how it was. Like they just gave this guy so much, and they still had to cheat to beat him. Yeah, crazy. And maybe this is a, a Kaz respecting because, you know, like you said, apparently they've had some few. Yeah, I'm sure it was a Kaz favor. Like they, some, they swapped the card around. He knows this guy. He's good. You know, get him in. But, oh, man, you're the champion. Worry about yourself first and foremost. So, yeah, the finish is that Baby Slim throws some liquid from his pimp cup um, into Stradlin's face. And Kaz grabs him, hits him with a wave of the future for the pin. They said it was Kool-Aid. I don't know if that's some sort of racial reference that they were making, which wouldn't surprise me, or if it was just supposed to be actual Kool-Aid. So our main event is... A PWG tag team title match as the newly formed Scott Lost and Chris Bosch defend against two partners of their choosing, <laughs> D-Boy and Super Dragon. This was one of those matches where it was mostly just really good. And so I didn't take too many notes. And the ones I did take were just 
cool moves I like. <laughs> but I suppose the main thing I, I noticed was, um, uh, you know, we've praised and been critical. He's been a little all over the place, but I thought this was a real, uh, a Chris Bosch coming out party of sorts. Absolutely. Yes, yes, um, yes. You know, big main events, three great other, you know, wrestlers in there, and he hung with them. And it was great. I thought his grappling with Super Dragon early was great. Did a great spot where he, like, caught the capo kick in the corner and turned it into like an SDF. I was like, oh, was, that was early in the match. I was rubbing my hands together. I was getting fired up. I was like, yeah, all right, Chris Frost, let's go. Main eventer. No, I, I thought he, he more than hung and, and felt like uh, he had arrived in this one. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It really was just the Chris Bosch party here. He really did hang with them. And I think him and Scott Lost are such a really good cohesive team. I know it was only the first time that, that we saw them together, but I think they just fit right. And Disco Machine on commentary at one point during the match goes, God, their arrogance is really on display here. <laughs> and that's that's their team name. They're known as as arrogance. Um, I, I think from here on out after this, obviously it's part of the first family, but it was just perfect. And I think a great first match for them as a team. I liked um, Chris Bosch's frequent use of the back, use of the backbreaker. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So good. Roddy Strong-esque, like every double team they did seemed to end in a backbreaker and sort of be like an interesting twist on a double team I'd not seen. Like there was a Northern Lights backbreaker. Yes, so good. I thought they played great cocky heels. Like they took their beating, but when they were in control, they were just unrepentant shitheads. This the debut of the Lion Cock spot? Or do we have we seen that? No, they've done it before. They still haven't called it yet on commentary. But okay, he, he done it. I feel like I this stood out a bit more because it, it got a bit more of a reaction. Like people, like this is his spot. You know what I mean? Like people kind of reacted to it fairly big. Well, as a hundred people can react to <laughs> a low blow in, a, in an indie match. Uh, here's a not true trivia note. Anyone a twig? How many times did Excalibur say B-Boy had wrestled Little Cholo? Oh, 774 times or something like that? You're you're so close. It was ah. 772. Oh. Um, we, we can confirm with Cage Match later. <laughs> what the, uh, and yeah, I can imagine, especially this era when, when PWG was just emerging and so there probably wasn't much else other than RevPro. Those two must have, I mean, I'm sure every Saturday in that neck of the woods they were probably having a match. I have to say, in this time, we see a lot of, like, baggy pleather gear. But I think B-Boy rocks the baggy pleather shorts the best. Yeah, like, yeah. it's it's who he is. It's It suits him. Yeah. Whereas, like... He's like, not a skinny white nerd boy. Exactly. <laughs> and I think just, yeah, having the loose T-shirt over it as well, sort of, it just makes it look a lot yeah. better. It's, it's part of an outfit rather than... Yeah, just a skinny white boy in these massive trousers. Like Jardy Franz. <laughs> yeah, a bit like yourself, Barry. My notes on the match are just a list of 10 really cool moves. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. It was just very solid. A classic tag team match. On the on the curb stop, like, Bosch was like selling his, his fear or anguish at getting the curb stop. And he had his mouth agape and he got like curb stomped right in his chin yeah. it looked so nasty i was like oh this poor bastard on the the backbreaker front just before the finish 
there was a heart attack backbreaker version yeah. where uh, uh, they did the old Heart Foundation uh, like a clothesline spot, but across the knee at the end. That was great. The classic Scott Lost Superman spear is always great. B-Boy doing the Shining Wizard off Dragon's back. That was fantastic. Yes. The top rope double foot stomp as well. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I think that kind of ties into, again, so this is really starting to feel like what you think of when it comes to PWG. Tag main event, all action, re- genuinely innovative spots, all well executed. And as we were saying at the start there, Bosch is, is right there with the other three. You know what I mean? He's not the odd man out. He's, he's, he's on their level. So, yeah, really, really uh, great stuff. Did anyone else love the reference at the finish by um, Lost and Bosch? Explain. No, they did the they did the um the heart attack finish. So a nice callback to um Scott Law's shirt, um yes. and reference yeah. in the promo at the beginning, and then Scott Lost taps out Super Dragon with the sharpshooter. So Scott Lost, Bret Hart. Oh, hey! I never even noticed good. that. That's that's tremendous foreshadowing. Tremendous Beautiful. storytelling. The, the Scott Lost guy. He is the Bret Hart. <laughs> very good um, yeah no I thought it was a, a very good match that really made Lost and Bosch as a tag team I thought themselves and Aerial Express just had two great showings and like I came away from this show and, or this show going I hope you know these two have a long program because I think they could have great matches together Agreed. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the tag division in PWG is picking up the slack from the world title division once again. Excalibur also brought an interesting tidbit that uh, you might remember that there was the sort of motif of the early year was that the tag titles were never defended. Uh, Every champion seemed to lose the belt in their first defense. And had Chris Bosch have lost he'd have been the first man to have lost the titles without ever having won them as well. (laughs) But they were victorious. After the match, Joey Ryan comes out. Um, He actually tried to interfere during the match, but much like Dragon tried to interfere in the Joe match, it, it didn't really work. So Joey Ryan then challenges Super Dragon to a 60 minute Ironman match Stemming from their sort of two-year feud, he mentions that the grill warfare was Dragon's uh, domain and a pure wrestling match is his. So that's set for the future. I'm not sure if it's the next show or down the line. I think he said October, which is this was also October. So I think four is is an October event as well. Okay, so, so use your illusion four. So our show ends there. But we still have two promos uh, recorded, presumably outside the JCC. Our first one is the host speaking perfect Canadian, <laughs> holding the the slap shot jersey that you alluded to early, earlier, Sarah, uh, explaining that it used to be their old gear. They don't know where it came from because they don't even wear it anymore. Yeah, Superbad came out. They started speaking fake Spanish again, and he made them do 100 squats. Yeah, Superbad comes out shirtless, and it's like, why are you wearing hockey jerseys in there? I remember he used to wear those body shirts and stuff. Yeah, he doesn't need them. 
No, he looked good. He looked incredible. I was into super bad. Well, are you sure that wasn't his um, his drawn on muscles? <laughs> <laughs> Very um, interesting little trio here that seemed to have been formed. Like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah and the fact that they get a promo as well at the end—it's like were they just the only ones who were? Around? I think so uh, because the next promo is the Dean Dino Winwood promo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't mean any offense to Dino or anything like this, but these. These seem like the guys who, you know, were still there. Yeah. Everyone yes. else sort of fucked off. Um, they probably are sounder and help out. Dino with the um, recording Gorilla Island aesthetic of a siren going off in the background <laughs> while he's trying to do his promo. Played it off really well. Yeah. Oh, he, he improv like an absolute pro, legend. No, he's not, he is a natural in front of the camera. He introduced himself to the, to the audience at home because... We might know who he is because he didn't really get an intro yet. And I'm sure a lot of people don't actually watch it with the commentary as well. So he started out as the bell ringer. He was the best damn bell ringer in the business. So much so the sirens couldn't silence him. He was so good at it that Aerial Express hired him. And it proved to be a good investment on this show anyway. It is nice that he said all this because if you, I think as I've kind of learned over the course of these first few episodes, if you thought you'll go back and watch PWG from the beginning and everything will be explained, who everyone is, how they connect <laughs> to each other, <laughs> other than the odd hot shot thrown at Revfro, you get like nothing. You get like nothing explaining who any of these people are. No, but Dino was great. He has really, really good charisma and he adds a lot to Aaron Express, who at this moment in time might not be the strongest um, on the microphone. So I think a really good unit there, a really good addition. It was also nice to see someone in front of the camera with a bit of composure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the erratic energy of most of these promos is exhausting. So, yeah, that was our show. That was Use Your Illusion 3. The next one is Use Your Illusion 4. I don't think either of those albums came out. Good Rose did Appetite for Destruction 2, didn't they? I don't think they did another yes. Use Your Illusion. No. I don't think so. They're still canon, I guess. I don't know. What did you think of the show? Yeah, it was it was good. I think I had some low lows, um, in like the likes of UK Kid, but some really good highs with that tag match. The Bobby Quants match was really great, tugged on the heartstrings. So it was definitely in the upper echelons of PWG shows, I would say. Barry? Yeah, I would say almost the exact same. I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised. I looked at the card and I went, you know, you know, this is this might be another one of these early shows where it's just, you know, not much to write home about. I think, yeah, like even though it wasn't great, like even like Stradlin, who I'd never, ever, ever even heard of, I think him being like way better than I expected was a pleasant surprise. You know, Quants and Daniels having their thing, just just like really rock solid matches uh, up and down the card. And if the low point was like, you know, as Sarah said, you know, UK kids, it's like, yeah, we've we've seen worse on these early shows than than his performance on this show. So, uh, yeah, really, really pleasantly surprised with the card and, and, and really happy to see Bosch and also Excalibur and Disco kind of coming into their own a little bit and having some real um, impressive performances. So I, I actually really enjoyed this show. What about you, Emma? Yeah, it was an easy watch. It, like, wasn't too long. The matches were a good length and... A good mix. It was fine. Yeah, that was very watchable. With that show out of the way, 
We get to the real star of the show, <laughs> Curious Gorilla. Woo! Woo! Our first question comes from Ben on Twitter. He asks, Seeing as how Mortal Kombat was released last week, let's say each of you are a part of the Mortal Kombat world, what would be your fatality? Emma, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, okay, gosh, I really should have thought about this. It would definitely be some sort of neck breaker because they were always the ones I enjoyed. So I think I would take their spine out somehow. Nice. Classic. Yeah. Sarah? I was going to say pretty much the exact same thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was also the coolest one when I would play it. So yeah, I'm pretty much saying the same as Emma. Very. As a hammer of a very large head. <laughs> I like... I don't know where that was going. Uh, I would probably... I would probably have some variety of a headbutt that made like the other guy's head explode when I did it. Oh, That's nice! Great. Yeah, I always like the ones where they get ripped ripped in two. Okay. So I think I'd like gouge them in the eyes yeah. and like rip them in two. Okay, so. eyes and in two. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, yeah. like the 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 current ones are so elaborate and mm. grotesque. Have we ever played Mortal Kombat together as a group? I feel like no. we should. We should. We should. Um, like, we, next time, you, next time we're we're together, we definitely should. Have you, have you all seen the movie? Yeah. Yes. Not oh, yet. So bad. Should it's I watch it just because? No, because uh, it's boring. It's, it's really boring. boring. It's really dull. Yeah. Uh, so, but some people listening might like it. <laughs> yeah, I, the best review I saw was just in a couple of months when it gets gets past content ID. Just watch a compilation on YouTube of the fatalities and people getting yeah. involved. Yeah. That stuff is yeah. okay. The rest they of were cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, our next question comes from Young Sean on Twitter, and Young is Sean. only for Barry. Okay, Barry, have you broadened your taste in donuts in the last few months? <laughs> Um, so this, I saw this, this question and I can't remember the reference. So, so I oh will, my will, god, you your memory, Barry. Don't you worry. We were in Germany. What now feels like many moons ago. We went <laughs> to uh, Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts in the oh, yeah. I, yeah, okay, yeah. And Barry got six of the same flavor. Six chocolate sprinkle donuts. Now, bear in mind, we don't have Dunkin' Donuts at home, so this oh, was, was kind of like a special thing. And they had so many different flavors and so many different things. And Barry gets six chocolate sprinkle ones. Uh, which... Yeah, if I could have six steaks, I would, because steak is the best food. So I got six chocolate donuts, the best donut. And I don't like to let Barry get away with anything. So you really don't. I... Like, I, love your, I love your context. We don't have, you, you'd swear it was the context <laughs> of donuts. We don't have Dunkin' Donuts back in Ireland. But, oh but the God. other thing she did as well, which is very funny, is that I had bought six different donuts. And this is one of her favorite things to do. <laughs> Hit us against each other. <laughs> Praise my my um, bravery yeah. in using six donuts. No, I was jumped. But, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, like you think you think one or both of us would see the pattern emerging, but are we going to throw away a few hours being the favorite? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, it made an impression, I suppose, and I apologize for everyone that witnessed it. Maybe I went too far, but I 
just I just think Barry should expand his horizons a bit more. Our next question is from MK, also on Twitter. Are you yous, fanatic, excited for the new Love Island? Yes. Is there a new one coming up? I think so. In June? I feel like we're always around the corner from one. Yeah. Well, we haven't had one in a year. Oh, did they not do one in Wales or something? No, that's I'm a Celebrity. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Love Island in Wales. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Um, I, I do feel like pre-pandemic, because like everyone in my office watched it, I, it was crazy. It was like one would end, and then two weeks later, they'd be like, oh, I can't wait yeah. to make a new one. I'm like, what? How many seasons of this show are there? Oh, yeah, they started doing a winter one or something. Yeah, I'm just excited to have something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. It's we, a uh, cultural event. Like, like, let's is, be real. Yeah. I can't say I watch it, so I... Sure, I, I'm excited for use. Thank I you. Think, I think you should watch it, because... You'll get hooked. That's the thing. I, I was. I don't need that. I don't need no, another rabbit hole. You do because I yeah, was do. so against it for so long, and then I watched one episode and I was hooked. And but you so have to watch it every day. Person I know. Me. Yeah. Okay. Rude. Is it true though? Yes, but still, <laughs> don't want to be called out on air. <laughs> Apologies. So our next question, moving swiftly on, is from Blu-ray Mysterio. What are your favourite ABBA songs? Oh. Emma, we'll start with you. Okay, my favourite ABBA song is Voulez-vous. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> Sarah? Uh, mine is Thank You for the Music. Oh, great choice. Great choice. Barry? Uh, Waterloo. <laughs> I knew Emma would find that funny, and I don't know why, but I knew it was <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I think we'll take a chance on me. Oh, mm. nice. We will. Hey. <laughs> but what's your favorite song? Hey. <laughs> oh, we're on it today. So the next question comes from Eamon, who asks, which PWG wrestler is most likely to lose all their money on cryptocurrencies? I love this question and I don't know the answer. There's too Charlie many friends. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most likely is what makes it hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And I think we should keep it of this time. Yes. I'm yeah, torn okay. between two. So I'm Top Gun Talawar, I think, would, you know, go down a rabbit hole and someone would give him really bad advice. <laughs> and then on the flip side, I think Chris Bosch would think, you know, he's just an expert at it, but then fail epically with his investments. I could see Disco getting duped into doing yeah, this. That was mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As they've kind of referenced on commentary, the, the, the divorced dad energy that just yeah. makes me think he'd be like, well, <laughs> who, who'll be laughing in six months when I'm up to my eyeballs in. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, what would the oh, what would the coin be called that he would invent? What would the stupid coin be called? Oh, Cali coin or some shit like that. And just just Rev Pro uh, NFTs, you know. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, we could rename his podcast uh, "Baseball Beer and Bitcoin." Hey, oh, that's good. I like oh, that's that. good. Oh, that's good. Oh, there must be you know based on the success of baseball actual cards there must be so much baseball trading shit on the the blockchain oh yeah um, there has to be like yeah 
card NFTs now. <laughs> Surely. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a great question. I think Puma would Oh because he, he'd be on he'd be so online and he'd be telling exactly. all the boys in the back about it, be like, I've like sorted my future now. Well, he like, definitely actually has though, I'd say. Yeah. That's a great show. Uh, and would be would be um, uh, uh, a reply guy telling you you're wrong, and uh, oh, it's actually yes. bad for the environment. The grid just needs to be green. It's not the fault of us. Um, it's not a scheme. Uh, you know all this other stuff. The logical fallacy. Blah 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 blah. blah. But yeah, this is probably actually happening. Do we know that <laughs> yeah. this is like yeah. this is probably happening right now? I just don't want to go onto his Twitter and see. No, <laughs> he's trying to explain to Ren Narita how he can really make a game. <laughs> Oh, poor boy. So our next question comes from Jamesy, who would like to hear the panel's thoughts on the proposed European Super League. In particular, she's your popular today, football correspondent time. Oh. Well, I mean, Jamesy, I've, I've, I mean, I have one question, and that's like, when did it stop being about the fans? That's what I want to know. Um, <laughs> Uh, football is is about a couple of things. I'll make you a list. It's <laughs> oh it's about the fans. It's about blokes being geezers. Um, <laughs> it's about having a laugh um, and asking and, and and asking constantly what that referee is up to. And that's that's what it's about. It's oh, about wow. It's not about um, uh, this this thing that I won't. To be honest, I won't even dignify it by speaking on it any further. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's my take on it. That's very good. Yeah, very impressive. I think that yeah. that sums it all up, really. I, I think we could say he speaks for the podcast. There. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a true representative. Beautiful words. So our next question comes from Nathan, who asks for our favorite tag team in PWG's history. I will. Start by just saying Steen and Generico from yeah. outside PWG because I actually haven't seen enough of their PWG yet. Uh, so I'm cheating a bit, having not seen the next 10 years. What about you, Barry? Oh, it's tough. To, to, I'll like just because it's, I think it's the most obvious, I'll disqualify like the Young Bucks, we'll say, you know, okay. um, mm. for the most, you know, the most extensive resume. I, if you talk like, bang for your buck and like most incredible matches versus the volume they had the dojo bros yeah roderick strong and eddie edwards oh my god oh i wish i wish they had the length of i love the american wolves i'm big i'm a big davy defender but i would love if that team had the run the american wolves had they were so great together so so great and i look forward to talking about their their pwg series in about eight years (laughs) uh what about you emma would have to be best friends, let's say. Ah. Or Steen and Super Dragon. But no, for matches, I'd say best friends. Uh, Sarah? Do I have to give just one or can I give like three? No, work away. Okay, so I think most obvious, the number one tag team in PWG history is Man with a Moral Fiber. Um, <laughs> Kenny Omega, Chuck Taylor. One of the greatest feuds, greatest series of matches, which is a total of three. Um, <laughs> iconic tag team. And actually, to be honest, they're the two that got me into PWG. And then, of course, you have the hybrid dolphins, 
Brian Danielson and Paul London, sometimes Roderick Strong, then truly iconic. But really, my answer probably is best friends, like Emma said, best friends are just amazing. And actually, we're the saviors of um, kind of current era PWG, I would say. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Ryan asks who our favorite tag team of the 2010s is. Um, okay. If you might have a different answer. Um, hmm. 2010s. I'm going to go Lucha Bros. Yeah. Oh, good one. Yeah. Um. Um, we'll go with Barry again first. Oh, it's so tough. I will say uh, probably Ring Camp, I would say. Walter and Thatcher. Good one. Emma? I mean, still best friends, but okay, yeah. also Appetite for Destruction. And um, I, 2010s are some of my favorite ones. So this is hard. Um, Super Smash Brothers, too. Ah, yes. yes. All of them. All, every one of them. Every well, single time. You can have three. <laughs> what about yourself, Sarah? Is this PWG? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think they've all kind of been covered. I mean, best friends, and and I know we're excluding the young books, but like the young, like let's face it, the young books—they're just so iconic, and yeah, they had such a great run. They sort of speak for themselves. Yeah, yeah. So our next question is from Chris, who asks, "If you could go back in time and find your way to watch one single match in PWG's history, past or present, live and in person." Which match would it be and why? We'll kick off with Emma. <laughs> um, my one is it's always going to be this one. It is the six-month tag between Super Dragon and the Young Bucks versus Trevor Lee, Andrew Everett and Biff Busick. I think it's one of my favourite matches just for the like energy and I would have given anything to be in that crowd because it was just incredible and that would always be my answer. Can I cheat again and say two? <laughs> I'm going to have to run it by Chris, but go on. No, I am really torn. Um, For your like, emotional, well, actually both are kind of emotional, sentimental ones, but uh, Scott lost last match against uh, Scorpio Sky in 2010. I just think to be there for his last match um, would have been really, really cool. And he is like my favourite PWG wrestler of all time, so... That would have been great, but but the other one is Chuck Taylor against Zack Saber Jr. from pushing forward back when Chuck won the title for the first time, and um, just because you know Chuck's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and that would have been just an amazing moment to see live. Barry, probably the Steen versus Generico ladder match from 2011. Just yeah, like an, an incredible match during the sort of the peak of my PWG fandom with a great finish and all the, the conclusion stuff that went down after that match, just really, really great. Uh, yeah, and a match I've watched, I don't know how many times, so I'd love to have been there live for it. Then mine would be probably the tremendous ladder match, the three tag team one, because I haven't seen a lot of PWG when it actually gets good. <laughs> and I think that's that's one of the most iconic matches and one of the ones that... I actually have seen a few times. So that one is Super Smash Brothers against Future Shock against the Young Bucks. 
sorry, if it was a future one, the one that hasn't happened yet, um, it would be Biff Busick versus Super Dragon, but it would also have to be in Reseda. So our next question is from Snowboy. Hey, Snowboy. Which PWG wrestler would you most like to hear say, uh, ask me who in a promo? <laughs> Emma, you're usually best at explaining Irish colloquialism. So can you explain what uh, ask me hoop is? Uh, ask me hoop. Um, God, well, it's really just, it's kind of like our version of uh, say it to the hand because the yeah, that's good. Yeah. But we're asking you to ask our um, asshole, I guess. Your hope is colloquially and lovingly known as um, your asshole. So ask me hope would just be like, fuck off. Uh, I don't want to hear it. So who, who would be your choice, Barry? Uh, in his uh, garbled, problematic accent, probably El Generico. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh, Sarah oh um, oh this is hard Chris Bosch just cause I think <laughs> he'd try and do the accent and fail um, what about you Emma I think Excalibur <laughs> that's a solid choice um, I think I would enjoy Kevin Steen's interpretation of it with his accent, essentially. And then when he found out what it is, I think he'd lose his mind. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, we have another question from Nathan, who asks what our favourite non-alcoholic drink is. I do like how he had to specify that for us. Um, So mine would be, um, I don't think it exists in America or outside Ireland, maybe maybe it exists in England, Uh, would be Club Rock Shandy. Mm. No, Irish only. So, yeah, it's, uh, so it's essentially uh, Fanta, orange and Fanta lemon mixed together. Delish. Mine's Coke. <laughs> Mine's also Coke. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, listen, I do love a, a pink monster. <laughs> but, but I also can't deny that I, I, I drink what, what I really think it has to be a dangerous amount of Coke. I am I drink so much Coke during the week. Like, it's like, oh, it's ridiculous. Um, so it has to be Coke. Coke's the greatest drink of all time. I'm saying it right now. Yeah. We are just like Top Gun Tower. We love Coke. Grant, <laughs> so our final question isn't from Twitter. It is from my housemate, uh, the Sween Dog, <laughs> who asks... If you could pick three wrestling championships to maybe display on your wall or have for decorative purposes, purely for aesthetics, not lineage, um, legacy, or anything like that, emotional, what are the three best-looking championship belts in your eyes? I had a bit more time with this one. Spoiler. So I'll answer first while you think about it. My number one belt is the WWE Undisputed Championship that Brock and JBL held. I think that's like the greatest wrestling belt of all time. My second one would be the Dragon Gate Open, the Dream Gate Championship with all the key stuff and opening the locks. I think that would be a really cool decorative piece. And then my third one is 
the ECW Championship when they were on TNN when the the decal was purple instead of red. Okay, yeah. So yeah, they're my three. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I think I have my three. I okay. So my first one would be the, uh, and this is possibly a bit nostalgia tinged, but uh, the WWF Championship from like 2000. The, the round, the, the, rock, the round one, yeah, the, the yeah. rock and Triple H, and I love that belt. And trying to like look through the belts in history, and like it, obviously it's very nostalgic for me, but I do look at it. I think that is just an incredible looking belt. I do also love the undisputed one that you mentioned. So I'd have, I'd have, um, I'd have that that WWF one from two thousand. I would have the Gift of the Gods Championship from Lucha Underground. Oh wow. Um, that was such a that struck the right balance. There's so many weird bells today that just look terrible. Struck the right balance of looking weird but still prestigious. It's like all the plates are like rectangular, including the central one. And they have at the center of each plate is a uh, a slot where a top contender would put in the medallions. The way they used to do it, New was I think they would have seven qualifying matches. The seven people would get a medallion, and then they'd have a ceremony before the match for the title where they would each put their medallion into the slot and it would right. fill the belt. So the, the belt is completed. It's a cool idea, but I also think aesthetically it just looked incredible. It just looked really, really fancy. Um, I mean like uh, Jackie Chan Adventures. Do you remember that? I have never seen that, I'm afraid. No, oh, oh, it was the same uh, thing. They sort of had to collect these like medallions which had like powers to them. Yeah, because I, I, the thing is, I'm sure that like that was Lucha Underground's whole thing was we're gonna we're gonna like pinch these ideas from outside of wrestling and you know apply them to the wrestling world. So I'm sure that was that's a trope they were they were aware of. Um, and the other one, um, just because I think it's a really cool uh, blend of I was thinking like, do I want like an old one like one of the really really old territory titles like the old US belt or something. Oh, but I think a, a nice mesh of past and present is like the peak early like 2005 ROH world title. Yeah. Where oh, it's yeah. just like the, just the, the black strap, the very, the plain but very kind of nice silver plates and then the, the red letters. It's just so distinctive. It's modern, but you can tell they were going for kind of old school kind of because that was so their their thing was, was, was lineage and respect and all this other stuff. I think it looks great. Yeah, and, and you know, also what it represents, like, you know, the, the glory days. Uh, yeah, those would be my three. What about you, Evan? This is really hard. <laughs> I really like the hardcore belt, even though, like, it, it looks insane. But I really like that one. Um, and there is an Oz Academy belt. It has chains on it, and it's really cool. All right, yeah. Um, and I can't think of another one. The Divas Butterfly belt. There we go. Thank you. Sarah. So number one for me is the winged eagle belt, WWF. I just think it's the most beautiful belt of all time. And yeah, it's just befitting of a champion. Um, And then the second one is probably the recently retired IWGP heavyweight title. Again, just a, a really befitting title of a champion. Just looked really good. It looked expensive. Probably weighed a ton. And it's just a great belt. And then my third one is a bit um left field. Is actually the old TNA knockout tag titles. Um, wow. I just think it looked really nice. I had the really nice red strap, which yeah, matched the, the red. red yeah. the, the, it matched the red TNA logo. 
it just looked really good. And that's the only one I actually see myself being a belt mutant for. Wow, what a what a deep cut. Nice. Thank you all for your questions. Uh, very enjoyable as always. Barry got the brunt of it, but <laughs> he loves the attention, so it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. So thanks for listening. Um, I hope the audio quality was okay for you. And if you want to get in touch about that or anything else, our Twitter is at Gorilla Island and our email is gorillaisland at gmail.com. My own personal Twitter is at Zig on the Rocks. Uh, Barry's is? At the Barry Loud. Sarah's is? At Sarah Flan. And Emma's is? <coughs> at? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's so loud. Wow. <laughs> Why is it so loud? I could get too close to the mic. I'm not, though. You're, you're very loud, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Is it better now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, my <laughs> Twitter is at O underscore Emma G. We will be back in your ears next month for Use Your Illusion 4. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. 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 Bye